Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi everybody, it's Marsha. And I didn't I actually okay, I'll say Marsha Casper Cook, which I don't even like to say anymore. I'd like but anyway, that's like stuck. I tried to I came out as Marsha Cook, then it was Marsha Casper Cook, so and then now it's Good Story and then World of Ink and now it's Michigan Avenue Media for many years. So this is who I am and uh we're going to have a great show today. We have John Lynn and Fran Lewis, uh, who could ask for more, on a Tuesday after Labor Day. And I just feel like it's March and now it's September. So uh, I'm hoping this doesn't – the pandemic will make some headway, so we won't be in until after the first of the year. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, I do go out, and so people do go out. And I'm not an adventurous. I didn't. I don't like to swim, so I live in Chicago, so we don't go to the beach. So, But I hope everybody stays safe and wears masks and then that's a for sure thing so we're going to talk today about a lot of different things and uh fran uh well, well let's have john come on first and john why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and um you're always on fran's show and um you're a, a really good author and last time i was listening to fran always asked me she says would you like somebody this person and i go yeah i'd like him because i love when people are talking about different things and i i know when i'm listening to fran's show when there's more to be said so i and i know you have a lot to so i have a lot to say so tell everybody a little bit about who you are and then we'll bring fran in you know Mar- Marsha, that, that, in a lot of ways, that is probably the hardest question I've ever been asked because I've never been asked it before. Usually, you know, you go on a show and and, and the topics are are, are are kind of predetermined, but uh, right. it's a tough question to answer because uh, you know what? As a writer, I, I kind of define myself by what I do, not who yeah. I am. Um, right. I'm a storyteller. I love writing the kind of books that I would read if someone else had written them. And I, I think that in, in trying to prioritize how to describe myself and, and how to answer that question, you know, what I'd say is I write, I've written over 50 books. Uh, the vast majority, you know, 95% are thrillers. A few are nonfiction, and some of them qual- qualify as thrillers too. Um, I've, I've written six books in the Murder, She Wrote series, and I've done three major series um, uh, a series original my my first series was featuring a vietnam era superhero named blaine mccracken i did 11 books nine originally and then i resurrected them um for open road media for two books relatively recently i did a series featuring a palestinian detective and an israeli detective who become a team in the middle east 
And I did that series around the I started that series around the Oslo Accords, so it was something that seemed credible back then. Now, of course, it wouldn't seem that credible. And now I've been writing my the, the series I've enjoyed the most, that has gotten the best response, and that I take the most pride in, and that is my Texas Ranger Caitlin Strong series, the most recent of which just published in late July, Strong from the Heart. And Caitlin is a shoot first, ask questions later, modern day gunfighter. Um, that I just love to write. I mean, I have a blast writing those books because here's the thing, and this is what it all comes down to, Marsha. If I have a great time writing the story, you will have a great time reading the story. And writers who don't enjoy their own work, who aren't their number one fans, who don't believe they deserve to be number one on the New York Times (laughs) bestseller list are probably not the writers that a lot of people are going to enjoy because the first person to read whatever a writer writes is themselves. You are your first peop- are the first audience. But that even that's not enough. Because the story unfolds in the course of the writing. I write from the seat of my pants, another a way to in- another answer to the question. I don't outline in detail. I have a vague idea of where I'm going, but not how I'm going to get there. Right. Yeah. Um, in other I, words, I yeah. yeah, I I I don't um, I'm very spontaneous, and I have great faith in my instincts um, as a storyteller. Because well, if I would you're... think so after all these books, yes, and well, that's, uh, that's, they're bestsellers. You know, but you like it. You know, we talk about this a lot. And so, Fran, Fran, come into the conversation because Fran is always interviewing you, and you know, and Fran <laughs> likes a good time. So I and I said, Fran, you have to come on this show because I said when you're on it, when she's on her show, she's always talking about the guest and their books. So Fran is here now So to have some fun. Right, Fran? There you go. I'm here. You're here, I know. Okay, before we start talking into a whole conversation, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, because I mention you quite a bit on my show, always. Me? And then you have something else to say, too, I think you wanted to say. Yeah, I do after. Um, I spent a lot of years working with children with learning disabilities, and I I think that, that helped me in order to um, do what I do now, which is review books and become an author. But basically, I started MJ Network when my sister died uh, 10 years ago, and I decided to keep her memory alive because it's her fault that I decided to review books. She right. said to me, um, "Yeah, I weigh, two, I weigh 110 pounds, maybe 109. I weighed 200 pounds at one point. And she said, wow. you know, you're going to retire. Yeah, I will look like a couch potato because my mother was sick and I had to take care of her so I just sort of ate my way into oblivion never again so I decided that my sister tortured me and said would you like to write a book and I go you got to be out of your mind she first I wrote a I did my first review in 2010 Marcia knows and I reviewed a cookbook and Fran doesn't yep. cook so they're still <laughs> laughing about the fact that <laughs> it's hilarious I, I have no idea what to do with a cookbook but whatever Marcia yep. Cheeves loves me forever but I started to do that and then I put a review on um and Von Mason's site, um, and I wrote the book review from the point of view of the murderer. I never did that before. And after right. that, everybody started sending me books. I have no idea what, but right. they do. <laughs> right. But, yeah. But that's a long time. I, I, I know like what I that's do. how long we know each other, right, right, from doing shows yep, on I Red do. and then I just, Yeah, but then I decided to sue MJ Network so that I could do the shows like Marsha my way. Yep, whatever that is. <laughs> that is right. Whatever that might be. Okay, do you want to make a little announcement first, and then we'll get on with the show? 
Yeah, for those of you that don't know, um, I was at breakfast on Saturday, and on my phone I got a message that said Larry Thompson passed away from some type of an infection. I, I couldn't focus at all. Um, this happened on Saturday, which I think was uh, the, the, the 5th. Yeah, the 5th. And um, he died of some type of infection, and Vicky put it on um, Facebook that he, he's gone. So for those of you that don't know, um, Larry Thompson wrote Dark Money and White Witch. He was a phenomenal author. But more than that, he was like an older brother to me and a good friend. And if not for him and for John Land, I never would have known what Philosophus was. And I reviewed one of his books, and he said to me, because of what you did, I'm going to take you. He invited me and took care of the hotel. He did everything so that I would be part of it. And then when I got there, his wife took me around to meet all the people that I was in awe of. So for those of you that don't know, um, Mary Thompson passed away on Saturday, and I'm sure Vicki Thompson would appreciate your condolences and wishes. Okay. It's, it's so sad. It's, it's all, Look, you know, it's so, when it some, you know, it really is, you know, and when you know somebody, even the, you know, Facebook and people do say bad things about social media, but the good thing about social media is it does bring people together that normally never would have met any. You know, we none yeah. of us would have met. You know, so I think that's the good thing about that. And I think you grow to care about a lot of people. So this is what happens when you're certainly in the certainly mm-hmm. doing you know shows for like I do too. You know, you have a lot of friends over the years. You know, and so that's the good part. You know, and so. But I think sometimes people think they everybody sees things on Facebook, but that is not true. And I think I don't know if John knows. I'm, you know too. You know it. It's really, they've I, right now they changed everything again. So I have no idea. I'm you're shooting in the dark half the time because now they change things. And I think one of the things I've discovered is when you have a page from a lot of years ago, some of the up grades aren't on that page. If you were to start a new page now, you'd probably see everything the way it just goes right now because we have a lot of things that we put on from the past that aren't there now. So I'm pretty sure that people like now they have a reading room and member friend you called and you said you you said what did you send me? I said I don't even know what I sent you. What did I send you? And then and then I realized it was something that we all have on Facebook now but most of us don't even know it's there. I think it's called reading room. Was that what it was, friend? That's what I think it is. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was the reading room, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there John, have you noticed of, things like this? Sites. Too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they um, don't have anything. No. <laughs> no. Okay. You because know, they, I, you have I, a you very... have a publicist. You have a you you have a publicist, right? Did that, that's what you were saying before when we started? Well, I, I think the show. you know I do, but but the publicists who work for publishers have many books and many yes. responsibilities, and unless right. you want to pay for a book publicist. Mm-hmm. An outside book publicist, and I know I know Meryl Moss is a good friend of mine, one of the best, and she's actually going to be working mm-hmm. with me on my next two nonfiction books. But it's very, very expensive, and yeah. it's, and how cost effective it is is, uh, you know, I'm I'm just not sure with fiction. With nonfiction, there's no doubt you get a lot of bang for the buck. So authors yeah. have to do a lot of their own social media, their own promotion, build and develop yeah. their own relationships. If you cannot sit around and wait for somebody else to do it for you, you have to right. go out and do it yourself. And you can't mm-hmm. give up. Writing does not you – know, book sales don't take a break. So you can't take breaks from social yeah. media. And I have yeah, – my approach to social media, Marsha, is 
different than the, I cast a more narrow net, and I consider it a successful day if on Twitter, which is my primary, I do Facebook and Twitter, I don't mm-hmm. do Instagram. Um, if I if I gain one or two new readers in a day, that's a great day. Because that's good. those yeah. readers aren't just going to buy the books and enjoy them. They're going to tell other people, and word of mouth is still the best yeah. way. So yeah. you have to look at any career in this business, short of Lee Child, Stephen King, Sandra Brown, the, the real mega authors who are guaranteed surefire top five New York Times bestsellers. Every time they come out, even if they write crap, um, mm-hmm. they're going to yeah. be there yeah. because the books are all yeah. ordered in advance. And they're yep. ordered before anybody knows how good they are. But there are other authors who are successful, um, and they, you know, they're they're lower list New York Times bestselling authors, um, you know. And then there are authors like me who who are right below that level. And we're the authors that the way this industry works right now, it's kind of harmed the most in a lot of ways. And the responsibility mm-hmm. to be, I, you know. What some people call success in this industry, I think, has morphed into something I would call relevance. Struggling yeah. for relevance is, is, is constant in this business because sales are not always what you want, to, what, want them to be. And unless you, stand, you can stand on a thousand street corners with sandwich boards simultaneously outside mm-hmm. bookstores and malls and yeah, wherever, yeah. you're not going to be able to directly affect your own sales on a direct basis. Social yeah. media is a wonderful tool to reach new readers and old readers alike. Um, but the interesting thing, the irony of my career, is that my greatest success, my greatest success, uh, my greatest sales, happened at times when there was no social media. And I wasn't yeah. doing anything. Now I'm yeah. doing more than I've ever done, but I'll never sell as many books as I sold back in the 80s um, and early 90s when I was selling hundreds of thousands of paperbacks. Um, so the, this is a very, very challenging business. Um, yeah. And you, you need to be relevant. You need to establish, you know, you need a brand. You have to be more than a writer. You have to figure out how to be a brand. Um, and you know, if it was easier, a lot more people would be doing it. Yeah. But you know, as as far as years ago, the problem now is, which Fran knows exactly what I'm going to say, is that there are so many authors and uh, the mix out there. I mean, the people that are, the readers are, get, they get confused because they really, you know, Fran, and I talk about this a lot about reviews because People have like 3,000 reviews, 4,000 reviews, but that doesn't mean the book is good. So I think we're all in this together here. And, Fran, you know what I'm saying, right? you want to explain mm-hmm. how you feel about that? Because we talk about this all the time. Because people out there that are readers, you know, they they look at Amazon and they go, oh, my God, there's like so many different people out there they don't know what to do so social media does help that to make you you know to make you relevant but it is difficult when you're in a pool out there and there's so hundreds of thousands of books that they have to choose from and they don't know and if the reviews that they say are good and they never even read the book that's not fair because when the reader gets the book, they go, what is this? So, Fran, t- mention that because that's important about those reviews. It is important. If you ever read the reviews that some people give, they're not reviews, they're opinions. 
And a lot yeah. of times they don't have any content in them. And I can tell the difference. Usually after I read a book, I just want to see what other people have said. And what I said is a whole bunch, whole bunch better. You can tell that I read it. You can tell that I have no spoilers in it. And Amazon has been getting kind of like um, strange lately. Either they take your review and post it in five minutes or it takes three weeks from last Wednesday to, to decide whether they want your review on there or not. A lot of them um, are plagiarized. A lot of them reword the back cover. Uh, it, it's it's really sad. I mean, I, I crack up laughing because my sister-in-law said, I read, the, I read the Amazon reviews and then I read the New York Times bestseller list to decide what to read. I said, why don't you actually look at the book and figure it out by yourself? I said, don't look at the New York Times bestseller right. list. Yeah. Just goes up, that goes according to sales, right? That's just the sales. It has nothing to do with it. I have gotten books that are so much better than the ones that are on the New York Times bestseller list. And then I've gotten books like John knows that, and everybody knows that. I won't review them if I don't like them. If it's not yeah. at least three and a half, four stars, I just can't be bothered. And as um, I got but one, you by don't, but what you do author, is you don't put a review yeah. out, though. See, you don't. I won't put a review. Out. I won't even. I won't even. Um, sometimes I'll just write a uh, like a, a summary. But I got one by a New York Times author. I won't say who. And then when the publisher said, "Do you like the book?" Oh, I didn't get it yet. <laughs> I didn't get it yet. Um, yeah, it's it's hard because I'm very careful. I'm very discerning. I won't read certain. I won't read self-help ever. Um, there are certain titles I won't read. Certain authors that I was reading, and to be honest, John, this one um, publishing whatever all of a sudden decided that they don't like the way I review my books, and they said that I'm too too comprehensive, but I don't have spoilers. And they, I don't do it anymore for them. And I felt kind of bad because I asked for a specific author, and I had to held an interview for this person. And what can I say? Well, maybe they'll change their minds. <laughs> John, I, I forgot to I tell you before it. the show. If you have a question to ask Fran or me, you can do that on the show. You know, I, my show is like Uh-oh. that. So if you have anything you want to ask Fran, because I know you've been on <laughs> her show a lot. So, I mean, if, if you have anything to ask her or Fran, you can ask, as you know, ask any question you want. But... You know, you know, because there's so many subjects that we could talk about. You know, because like mm-hmm. all, this is what John, you said something that you know about our friend, old and new books. Like this is a subject that I've been talking about on my shows a lot. Sometimes people feel that they only have to discuss their new book, but what about the books they've done before that are really good stories? And people are are. Lately, maybe there's more people home now so they can look at other books mm-hmm. that maybe aren't done this year, but maybe they were done 10 years ago. Because I don't mm-hmm. know where it became that everybody has to have a book out every two minutes. That's not really how writers can do that. You can't just zip out a book. Well, like I do looking, four or five a year, so uh, I, I, I certainly lot. can. Um, yes. I, I, you know, look, I think that um, – so, so you know, so I, I think when you when you talk about what's out there and you talk about older titles, um, there's a we talk. I use the word relevance. Well, I don't really want to talk about older series because I'm not writing them anymore. I don't right. have that emotional commitment to them. It isn't that I won't talk about them. It's that my emotion is tied up in the books that are more recent. Now, people right. ask me all the time, do you have to read the Caitlin Strong books, or there are now 11 of them, in order? And the answer is no. In fact, and this is what I wanted to see, the problem, it's not a problem, it's a reality. 
the way when I think about all some so many of my favorite authors, including Lee Child, James Hall, um, uh, Clive Cussler, Stephen King, David Morrell, I discovered in paperback by browsing bookstores. I just yeah. was looking around at what was in front of the store, Walden Books, mall stores, those great spindles yep. in front of the store yeah. where you would see all yeah. these great covers. And the problem is, and what would happen is you would read a book, and normally it wouldn't be the first in a series, but that book would make you want to find out what, would, what was going to happen next with those characters and what yeah. had happened before. So you went back and you, you know, I never read a series in order, not Spencer, not Dave Roby show, um, yeah. not anyone. I've always discovered series in the middle and gone back and rediscovered them. I'm just discovering Harry Bosch in the past two years. I had never read Michael Connolly's great Harry Bosch character. Yeah. So I didn't mm-hmm. start at the beginning, but now I'm working my way through all the books. So eventually I'm going to get to the beginning. The problem, as I said, the reality is that books are not sold that way anymore. All those mall stores are gone. I know. They're all gone. Borders is gone. All we have left is what's left, the remnants of Barnes & Noble, which is right. barely a bookstore anymore, and, the, yeah. and independent <laughs> bookstores that are, selling, that are selling jewelry and knickknacks and everything else in order to stay <laughs> yeah. in business. Yeah. So, and Amazon, God, you know, thank God for Amazon, but Amazon <laughs> is not a bra- where you go to browse. It's where no. you go to buy. How do you yeah. discover new authors that you didn't necessarily know before in this environment? And more important, because of the way books are marketed and sold today, how do you even get word out to your core audience that your new book is out? You made a great yeah. point before, Marsha. I put stuff on Facebook. I put stuff on Twitter. But the, the simple fact of the matter is most people are like me. They're not on Twitter and Facebook all day. Yeah, They're right, not right. there for the feed the moment my t- I tweet something. <laughs> right, you're not looking right. at the screen. Right. Um, you may, you're going to probably miss it. You have a life. Um, you're not on Facebook. I get a kick <laughs> right. out of people who get mad at me. Because they put something on Facebook about something <laughs> like the, the tragic passing of Larry Thompson, and they're mad at me because I didn't see it. I'm not on Facebook all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So the challenge is how do you market yourself in an era, and you said it best, you've got thousands and thousands of authors doing the same yeah. thing that I'm doing. But yeah. what I like to think is I'm writing better books than they are. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if I hook you on one you're going to be hooked for life. Here, I'll tell you something interesting that I do, and this gives you an example of, of how I go at this. Obviously, the Murder, She Wrote series is a much bigger brand than my Caitlin Strong series. So for six books, I've been doing this Murder, She Wrote series, and I've been getting a lot of emails to my website or, and eventually, you know, they, or, or direct to my email address, which people track down. Uh, not hard. And, I, and in, because they want to talk about Murder, She Wrote. But what I always do when I reply is I send them the first Caitlin Strong book, a digital copy of the first Caitlin Strong book, as a thank you for reaching out to me. And now I've gained I – I want them to be fans of my Caitlin Strong books, not just my Murder, She Wrote books. It doesn't right. cost me anything to do that. And they're not going to yeah. go out – and you can say, well, what, if you, why don't you just tell them about it instead of giving them away? Because if you tell them about it, they're not going to do anything. But if you give yeah. them the book and they read it and like it, they're going to go back and, 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 and absorb 
and devour the entire series. So anything you can do to make a new fan, to make a new reader, is a big step forward, even if it's one. Now, I know that one reader probably doesn't matter all that much to authors who are selling millions of copies, um, but I'm not selling millions of copies, and the only way I'm ever going to get there is one reader at a time. Yeah, I think that I think people forget about that, and that's really true. Because I think everybody, when they're writing a book, I think they have to. What you said before also is to enjoy what you're writing, and you know, and not constantly think about how much, how many you're going to sell. Because when that gets in your head, you're not the same writer. You're somebody else. You know, you have to really concentrate and I myself have issues with concentrating when I'm on Facebook and Twitter and you know I I in the morning I go I'm not going to do I'm not going on Facebook I'm not going on Twitter and 2 and minutes later do. I'm on Twitter <laughs> yeah I'm on and I'm on and I go like what is wrong with me and then I love it. on the phone it goes oh you've been on like 8 hours or 7 hours this week I'm thinking like what why why am I on so much? Because it really, it it doesn't really, it puts you out there, but it doesn't really help your writing because you're not writing then. That's eight hours that I could have been sitting down and writing. And you're right, you don't scroll down. I was talking to my friend the other day, and I went, oh, my God. You know, I before the pandemic, you know, I always bought stuff. At Macy's, I'm on, you know, all the home shopping. I'm buying stuff. And I'm thinking, I am really tired of scrolling down looking for things. And I went to a drugstore. I went to CVS the other day, and I was actually in the store, and I went, Oh my God! I forgot what it's like I'm to not scroll. I was looking at things without scrolling. I'm going like this is pretty nice because you're just out there like you're talking about books, right? You go into a bookstore, you could look around. Now you can't look around. And if you put yourself, you put it. If you go into Amazon, you go romance. Well, there you are, and you get books that aren't even romance because people put themselves in a category that has nothing to do with their book. And then you, you're so tired already by looking at all these books, you don't choose what you really wanted. So I think that's also an issue, you know, because I think people put themselves in a wrong genre a lot of times. Well, it, it's it's also the fact that there are programs that uh, that uh, we're getting a little bit into the weeds. But my last book in the Murder She Wrote series, and and by the way, Marcia, as friend will tell you, as you're going to see. If you, I, I live by the mantra, if you always tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said. So I tend to right, be pretty blunt <laughs> and right, pretty, di- pretty direct. Yes. But mm-hmm. Murder mm-hmm. of Twelve is probably the best, is definitely mm-hmm. my best in the Murder, She Wrote series. It's basically the Jessica Fletcher version of the classic Agatha Christie murder mystery, and then there were none. It sold better than the top ten bestsellers in Cozy Mysteries on Barnes & Noble, one of which was my last title. A Time for Murder. It was, way, it was selling far more copies on Barnes & Noble's bestseller list than Time for Murder. But here's the difference, Marsha. Berkeley, my publisher, I should use the word lightly, um, <laughs> decided that they weren't going to buy any promotion on Barnes & Noble uh, for this title. Fine. So mm-hmm. because they didn't buy promotion, the book never appeared on the bestseller list. Mm. So beware. You, you look at something and you say, well, this must be a good book because it's number one on Barnes & Noble. That book is number one at Barnes & Noble because a publisher paid to put it, to make it See, number one a, on Barnes & Noble. That's a perfect, that's perfect. The thing. So, that's the perfect. So there's no real, when you look at rankings, um, yep. now I think there are some that are legitimate 
sure they go by the numbers, but a lot of rankings, a lot of appearances on bestseller lists are determined by the promotional package that the publisher buys. When you look at the New York Times bestseller list, it's basically set by orders, not by sales. Sure, they record numbers that are coming in, but in order to sell 5,000 copies and make the New York Times bestseller list, you have to have the distribution and you have to have the print run to do it. Otherwise, and you've got to be on their radar because the New York Times yeah. does not ask you what books are selling best. The New York Times sends you a list of books and asks you to fill out how many they sold. So any month, any week, there are only a select number of titles that can physically make the New York Times because right. they're pre-chosen mm-hmm. in pre-chosen in advance. A little bit of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a repeat there. But writers are prisoners of the way the industry works. And breaking yeah. through, mm-hmm. there is a, you know, they, you know, you've heard the term glass ceiling. This is like a concrete wall. Because so many things are predetermined in this industry. So many bestseller lists are predetermined. And look, I used to get my paperbacks. Um, you'd, people would go into an airport and they'd take a screenshot and they, or they'd call me and say, hey, your book is number one in Denver. Your book is number three in Detroit. Your book is number four in, in, you know, in, in, you know, in Sacramento. Yeah, because my publisher paid to be that number. So you yeah. when you go so it was well displayed the same thing supermarkets do, so I I was a I benefited greatly from my early years with Random House and before that Kensington which was then Zebra and also yeah. the first few books I did with Tor, uh, Tor Forge because they purchased these kind of promotional campaigns that got me the kind of distribution and placement. That, became, yeah. that made my success a self-fulfilling prophecy. The problem is failure is also a self-fulfilling prophecy. You write the greatest book in the world, if it doesn't get the right distribution and placement, no one's ever going to know about it. I know. See, that's the problem. Yo, Fran, I know, Fran, you wanted, we were talking about this. You want to talk about, you were talking about Kirkus and Publish, you know, Publishers Weekly. We were talking about that. Fran, I, I know you have something to say about that. About the reviews and publishers weekly, yeah. Um, I read some of them. I reviewed a book that by a phenomenal author, and he got panned by Publishers Weekly, got panned by by Carcass, and he put it on Facebook. I said, "What do you care what they think? I'm, I think you're wonderful, yeah. uh, and I think that what I write is 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 said is better." I, you know, you can't judge by them, and a lot of times people don't buy the book. Sometimes if you get a bad review, people buy the book to see if they to see if they agree, see if you agree with it. Um, that that's happened too. Uh, I'm doing right now, and I don't know if John would be into. I know that you do tours with Partners in Crime, and I'm doing one in October with Partners in Crime for what if my Mubak what if. But I'm doing one right now for with Rabbit Tours R A B T. Uh, they only do digital, and I don't, and the only reason why they love me is because I just do spotlights and showcases. I don't review for them, and they're doing a great job. I have like 35 people that signed up, which is a lot. And we're going to do some, uh, yeah, book reviews and spotlights. I was hoping for the book reviews. I really don't, the spotlights, I don't care about the book reviews. I don't know if they post negative things. I'll find out on Thursday, but I'll get over it. Um, I had to try something. And because of that, because of the way I do things for them, they didn't charge me the full amount. Uh, Partners in Crime is doing one for me in October. 
and hopefully that'll go off also because Cheryl and Wendy are the best with that also. Um, and Marsha introduced me to uh, Alan Pussycott Productions, and I just got Karen is my publicist, and she's promoting my, my books, uh, What If. And they're doing a great job. I just got the stuff on there, too, so you might consider that also. And it's I, not think, that you know, I think that's a lot of times people, like, you know, there's a lot of yeah. small companies out there now that yeah. are really promoting people and putting their the books out yes. and for, for very affordable prices. So Because I think now, especially certainly now at this time with COVID, when people don't have jobs or they don't know, you know, where their next paycheck is going to come, they can't really, and they're writing, and they can't really pay for PR if it's very expensive. So I think there's a lot of companies out there, but the problem is then there are other companies that don't do anything for them. But if you're not spending a fortune, then you just go, mm-hmm. all right, fine, I made a mistake. So it's not that bad. So I think, you know, what John was saying about before, how expensive, you know, PR mm-hmm. firms can be. So the the average person that's out there can't really afford this. So when there are these companies now that are helping, even just to put your book cover out there so they see it, you know, sometimes, you know, they I think they I've heard that they sometimes you have to see something 10 or 12 times before it actually sinks in your brain. And that's sometimes well, I, I was watching um, CNN, and they were talking about um, – the like when they have a special coming on, and they must talk about it several times a day, PR on it, the, the hosts talk about it. But you almost have to do that because sometimes you think maybe I'm doing too much PR. But you're but what John said before, you're not constantly on Facebook, Twitter, or the TV that you don't see it. So that's why they have to do that. So sometimes people think it's over, but. Really, you, you really need to put yourself out there because otherwise they won't see you. And if, they, if you put something on at 8 in the morning and the person doesn't scroll down, like John said, they're not seeing it. And that's why I don't see a lot of things that maybe I should see. You don't know if you have a lot of people on your friend. Like because Amazon and, well, Facebook did for sure. What Facebook did, I'm sorry, Facebook is – when you used to see something, it would be shared to a lot of people. It's not shared like it was before. And if someone will say to me, do you have a point. show? I, yeah. I, are you doing a show now? And I'm going like, what? I'm thinking I'm posting it like crazy on my story, this, you know, and I'm on Instagram. All, and I'm thinking, how do they not know that I'm still doing shows when, but I haven't seen them out for a while? So they don't see my I, I think. What you're getting at, Marsha, there's another, there's a caveat to that, and it's an important addition. When I'm, when I'm, I have an 11 book series with more to come. It's a brand. So when I'm promoting a book, I'm not necessarily promoting the book as much as the series and the brand. So someone I hook on Caitlin Strong, on for for whatever title it is, I've got them for the past from the for the past titles. They're going to go out and get those, and they're going right. to get the next ones. You can't look at promoting a book as a one-off. You have to look at it as a stepping stone that's going to lead to something else. You have to celebrate small victories. There's an old saying in Las Vegas, bet big, lose big. Bet small, win small. And I think the, the purpose of promotion for the vast majority of authors needs to be bet small, win small. Because the yeah. being successful as a promotion for an author is like money. If you need money, you can't get it. And if you need, if you have it, you don't need it. 
Well, the authors <laughs> who get the most promotion are the ones who don't need it. Their right. books yeah. sell themselves because yeah. of the brand. If yeah. Lee Child did absolutely nothing, he would sell almost the same number of copies of Jack Reacher <laughs> right. as he did if he did all the things yeah. that he does. Right. What does Stephen King do to promote his books? Nothing. Maybe yeah. he'll do a big talk show. But normally yeah. he does nothing. He doesn't have to do anything right. because right. it's already established. The publisher does it. The publisher yeah. is taking out full-page ads for yeah. him, even though he doesn't necessarily yeah. need them. No publisher is taking out full-page ads in the New York Times for John Land. And they're smart because they would never get the money back. But yeah. you just made a great point, cost-effectiveness. Yeah. So I'm piggybacking on top of cost-effectiveness. I'm talking yeah. about don't look at it as selling a book. Look at it when you go out and you go to a, a, you, you hire blog tour companies. Um, I'm doing more in that respect for Strong from the Heart, the new Caitlin Strong book, than I've ever done before. And it's all this bet small, win small things where yeah. I'm picking yeah. and choosing low-cost, cost-effective promotions that will put me in front of, that will expose me to tens of thousands of people. That doesn't mean they're going to buy the book, but you made another great point. It takes so many times before something registers with someone. A yeah. tagline, yeah. Yeah. a book cover, a title. That's why, as a ca- another interesting point, if you notice in my Caitlin Strong series, you know, my female Texas Ranger, every book begins with strong as the first word. Strong yeah. enough to die, strong justice, strong vengeance, the latest, strong from the heart, strong strong to the bone, yeah. strong, you know. They all, because that helps readers know when they see strong in the title, it's a Caitlin Strong book. So yeah. Yeah. this is what brand building is all about. Yeah. And by the way, not rocket science. John D. McDonald was the first to do this with the Travis McGee series where every book was a different color. Um, Sue Grafton did this with the Kinsey Mill oh, yeah, with series. the alphabet. Yeah, with yeah. the alphabet series. Yeah, there. Yeah. You know, Jane, uh, uh, Lawrence Sanders did it with the the first deadly sin, the second deadly sin, the third deadly yeah. sin. This right. is not rocket science. Right. Right. Building a brand. So, if the writers who are listening to this, when you're writing, you can't think of the book you're writing as 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 just one product it has to it has to be part of a greater whole and if you're writing a series look for a title or a that can help brand the series so yeah. when you see whenever you see a color in the title even if it's not john d mcdonald i always think oh that must be a john d mcdonald book it's got a color in the title yeah. <laughs> right yeah so that's so it's, that's it's a good way challenge. to look at it yeah it's a very interesting it's, it's point it's what yeah. authors it again it comes down to relevance and, you know, most authors are not making a living at writing. Most authors are, are in a position where, if, where they're not writing full time. There aren't a lot of us doing what I do. Um, there are a lot of us who would like to do what I do in terms of being able to write full time. And that's the only thing I've ever done for over 30 years. I've been writing full time. The vast majority of people who are self-publishing, who are publishing with smaller presses, even publishing um, with the big five at at a lower level um, or a top indie like Kensington, 
they're not making they're not going to make enough money on their books to earn a living. That's just yeah. a fact. Yeah, and I think people do think that people earn a lot more than they do. That's why a lot of times, you know, people are waiting online on at Amazon for the book to be free or ninety nine cents because but actually I've had people on my show talk about this and they've mentioned the fact that when they go to Starbucks they'll spend four dollars for mm-hmm. a coffee or $5, but they won't spend on a book. <laughs> I mean, you know, it doesn't make sense because the writer is working. So, I mean, how much can a writer make if they're selling books for $0.99? Cents? Amazon takes money. I mean, you know, like, so think, so they, they think, oh, you're making so much money, you you know, and this and that, but it's not really true. So you, what you're saying is absolutely true. I think well, people should just look at authors as telling a story. You're, you're, but you're, you're into a very interesting part of the metrics of publishing have changed so much. And mem- metrics and demographic, but especially metrics, meta- metadata. When you start looking at sales and you start thinking, if I can sell 50,000 books at 99 cents and I can sell 10,000 books at 2.99, which is a better price point um, to sell them? But here's the issue, and here's what I wanted to get at. I've been part of any number of promotions where my books have been sold at reduced rates to to bring people in. The problem is a 99 cent book buyer buys 99 cent books. You're not going to they're not going to go out love that. They're not going to read your 99 cent book even if they love it. They're not going to go out and spend 20 bucks for the next hardcover. Now, yeah. They found that price point at 4.99. At 4.99, sometimes 3.99. Those buyers who buy a discounted book at you know you normally digital, in some cases it spills over into two ninety nine. They you have a shot at them buying the more expensive title, um, but for the most part, low end buyers and I, I shouldn't say low end uh, cut rate buyers, people looking for sales, the people looking for the dollar store, the dollar general of publishing. Yeah. People who shop in Dollar General, you know where they shop? They shop in Dollar General. They don't shop in Dollar General and then go to Macy's uh, because of all the money they're saving at Dollar General. They go there because (laughs) that's where they shop, and they may even buy books there. So when you're marketing books at 99 cents, you've got to be very careful. Because if all all you do is sell books at 99 cents or at $1.99, you will never be anything but a 99-cent author or a dollar ninety nine. Now there are differing theories on giveaways. I've spoken to great authors like Alan Jacobson. I think she's he's been on Fran's show. My my friend John Gilstrap. Yeah. They've had very good experiences giving away a hundred thousand digital books when they have a new one just about to come out. And there is some. They have found some transfer. They have found a one to three percent rate of those people. And by the way. One to three percent of a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred thousand buy sales. That's you're gonna if if you're gonna sell two thousand hardcovers or a thousand hardcovers of your new release by giving away a hundred thousand titles. That's a cost-effective promotion. You yeah. paid for that promotion on Bookbub yeah. or, in, or another area. Yeah. But these are the challenges that all writers face today. How do you spend your money? How do you make yourself relevant? How do you become yeah. a brand? How do you become a household name? Yeah. 
That's a, you know, and that, that's true because I think sometimes, you know, you're not thinking about, you know, everybody thinks of different things. And right now, certainly it is different times. And, you know, but I think the first point, getting back to the first point, is when you write a good story and you enjoy it, then this is what real writers do. You know, when you write a story just for the money and just throw it out there, and a lot of people do, Fran, you can be a, mm-hmm. really attest to that. Then, then you're not really a writer. You're just trying to just get people to know who you are. But when you don't write a good story, and Fran, you could talk about that a little. You read a lot of books. How do you feel about mm-hmm. that with the story? The story counts. You know that it does, and you know what every writer means. And when you, that's why people say on your show all the time, Fran, you get it, and you do. I get. Yeah, I do. It's a, it's it's amazing. <laughs> I do get it. <laughs> you do get because. It. I read the book, and then I'm saying to myself, what exactly is this person trying to say? And it's not on the back cover. It's not in the book. It's past what the book is about. I close my eyes, and I think about it, go like, if I were in that book, what would I want people to know about me as the character? What would I want the people to get from the the message in the book? It takes time, but usually yeah. I do get it. I, I don't think I've ever ever missed one. Um, no, I, I, you, they all say the not, same it's, thing on your show. It's it's not it's not easy. Uh, I had a professor in college when I took my reading masters, my second masters, and he taught me if you read, understanding reading by Frank Smith, the psycholinguistics of reading. That's how I learned how to look deeper into a book, and because this professor made my life difficult, and he kept saying to me, when you do a term paper, read the article and then think about what the author's trying to say, but don't look at the words. Just think about it in your head, and, and you do. Um, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people just write book summaries, or they'll just write what they think the book is about. They won't even get into what the characters are saying or what the plot is or, what, or anything. And if the story, if the story doesn't gel, or the still characters don't melt, mend into it, or the story doesn't, the plot doesn't go for some reason, I can't read it. Yeah, I, I really can't. I really can't read it, and it's like makes it hard. I mean, I read something. John writes in two time ta- timelines. We're going to be talking about that in December. Timelines. Yeah, because you and I talked about that, right? Because I'm listening. I'm listening on audiobooks. I love audiobooks, so I'm listening to writing? that. On you know, and I think you know um, that's such an important thing because sometimes you don't. You, uh, John, you weave it in, and that's a hard yeah. thing to do. How you weave the past and. Pr- present in it is. so the it's reader knows what happened before and what's happening now i there that's a hard thing to do it is hard and in it's hard for to authors to write but john writes it yeah. i get it yeah he does but the yeah. point is i just read two books and i'm saying why are they writing this in this timeline and then in the middle of the paragraph they switch to the next one and go like what and then yeah. in the next one it's a third i had one book that i wrote in five timelines and i was like i had to take a take a piece of paper and literally write that's out that's hard Exactly what this yeah. person was See, saying. See, I think I, that's I'm what I wanted to ask John about. Yeah. You know, I, I, on your website, it's a really good website. Do you take care of it yourself, that website? Because it's really good. No, i got to do a better job of keeping it up. I have a friend who is you know, a, a terrific But they do a good job because I like how you, it. I like, you know, you, when you're talking, your synopsis are a little longer 
than people say they should be because I, I hate synopsis. I, I always say I'd rather like wash floors or do something. Synopsis is so hard, you know, and mostly I did screenplays in the past, you know, but when I've been doing books, I think it's so hard. And I write romantic comedy. I'm thinking like, what? how do I do that? I mean, it's like ridiculous. You know, I have to make it sound funny in like two sentences. Well, really? You're not even, you know, so, but I noticed that you have several paragraphs to describe your books, and I think that is a better way to do it, not just two sentences. Because to me, two sentences is very hard for a person to really say, oh, I might want to read this. They may not want, but when you are into it, like I've noticed on all your books, the way they go, I like that when there's more than just one paragraph to understand what the story is about. How do you feel about that? Are you happy that you, I mean, whoever did your website, they did a really good job, I think. I, I think that promotion is a combination of things. It's not an either or. There are some people who prefer, I always think you should have an elevator pitch that you can describe yeah. a book. Which is hard, yeah. In, 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 while an elevator is going between floors. And, and yeah. being a screenwriter and working in the film business a little bit, I've learned how important a skill that is to master. Yeah. Um, it also helps you organize and keep on track. Um, but I, I think that um, you need to tease them with something that makes them want to read more. But if you give, yeah. if you give readers too much initially, um, then they're not, going to, they're not all going to bite. Some are just looking for that elevator pitch. I, have, uh, I wouldn't call him a friend. He's an acquaintance, but I, Bob Kosberg, who's the master of pitching in Hollywood. And Bob Kosberg once sold a movie in the room based on three words, Jaws with Paws. Yeah. It sold. It yeah. became a horrible yeah. movie called Man's Best Friend, but you know what? He got paid. You know, he, he's making a living with, yeah. with, by getting in the room and selling things based on being a great salesman, being a great yeah. So I think what you're getting at is also the fact that, and this, this thing, you can be a great writer, but in this day and age, you need to be a very skilled marketing person. You yeah. need to be very adept at relationship building, at yeah. At you know, at at choosing the right conferences to attend, to to widen your brand, to be exposed to more people, um, you know, than maybe you were before. Um, this is a, it, this is this is a very very difficult business. Um, I wish and right, it was right, and right now you can't do conferences. I, most of the guests that have been coming on the show, everything's been canceled in every state. I, they're you know all the states. You know, uh, any of the guests say the conferences, the book signings. So, you know, that's this is one time where I think that almost everybody's in the same boat. You know, it's it's not like this author, that movie star, that person is, you know, doing more than the next because when you, you know, you see what's going on, that people aren't going places and they're not doing what they did to promote themselves. Mm -hmm. So they are doing Instagram or all these things because they're out there trying to keep their base and at least talk to people so they know they're still alive. It's very hard now for people to, you know, think about, is it going to be a long time where I'm not going to, I mean, all the, the bands, the rock stars, everybody, they can't perform. So, I mean, this is going to be a very difficult time now for all of these people. How are they going to 
you know, their fan, how are they going to their fans accept what's happening now? Will they move on to somebody else? I mean, they're all learning different ways to, you know, the Zoom is helping. You know, even when you're watching shows like Dancing with the Stars or I think America's uh, Got Talent, they I, do it with a Zoom audience. So this is a whole new world. That's different. It is. And it's hard. You know, but we are all in this together, I think, you know, whereas, um, you know, most guests, they're very upset about it, and they're they're sitting with hardcover books for their book signings in their house, and that's a hard thing. You know, it's expensive for a lot of authors when they've bought their own, so I, you know, I'm hoping for people that it gets better. Because, uh, you know, most, you know, now for sure, if you ask someone to be on the show, they're going to go, yeah, what time? I'll be there. You know what I mean? It's because mm-hmm. we're home more, right? I mean, Fran, you know this too. I mean, most of the guests, do they say the same thing? They don't know where they're going to go to do anything. Well, most of the guests usually show up. And I won't say right. who it was, but I was <laughs> upset um, two weeks ago. A very famous oh, yeah. New York Times author had asked me to please read his book, which I did. The book came three weeks late, two days before the show, because somehow it got lost, and somebody in my building has been taking my books. How rude is that? So I went and I actually bought the book on Amazon, didn't tell them. They sent me another copy, and I sent the person questions. I sent the person questions way in advance of the show. And I'm sitting there, and one minute, John, one minute before the show, I get an email from the publicist that said, the, the questions are great, but he doesn't want to answer them because he's talking about the plot of the book. I said, well, what would you like me to talk about? I can talk about in general. How did you choose your characters? How do you write in timelines? I could talk about anything. And the person just decided out of nowhere. To, I said, I'll delete the show and goodbye. I, I was fuming. <laughs> I remember. Uh, I, and it was on yeah. the air. And I had to do it yeah. on the air because I got on the air and they said, I'm really sorry, but so-and-so is not able to come to do the show today, and the show is being canceled, and it will not be rescheduled. And then I deleted it. Yeah. And there were people on the on the uh, listening because of who it was, and I was like, "Oh God!" Well, um, that 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 yeah. guest is definitely not going to want to come on my show. <laughs> There's no question. No, that was a, that was we don't have the questions. only time that ever happened. But basically, <laughs> I know if I ask someone to come on the show, they go like, "Can I have five interviews <laughs> or something like but that?" Because people always say, "What are we going to talk about?" And I go, "Don't worry about yeah. it." They go like. What we, I said, yeah, I'm not going to ask you anything. I'm, I said, I'm not going to ask anything personal. We're just going to talk, and I'm going to go off of what we talk about, you know, and then we're just going to have fun and just relax. So a lot of times I call them, and I say, okay, let's just, you know, talk, they, we talk a little, and I go, okay, certainly new people. And they, I go, um, this is, they go, what is going to be on your show? I go, just what we've been doing, <laughs> just like this, you know. And so they go, oh, okay, I'll come on. Because I think people don't realize, you know, that, you know, because you and I do have different shows, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. you're an avid reader, and I don't exactly know what I am. <laughs> I'm not sure yet. I, I like TV. I love movies, you know, and I just like to talk. And I love books. I'm an author and a screenwriter and all those things. But I have been doing this for 20 years. So I, you know, there's a lot of subjects, you know, and that's why I noticed, like, John, right, you can talk because you like that. You you like what you do, and you like to discuss it with writers, and you like to tell other writers what works for you but doesn't mean it's going to work for them. But I think it helps people to hear us talking because they're not alone then thinking like, oh, maybe I should write with an outline because this one told me to write with an outline. You know, well, one, I mean, one thing one, yeah. one thing that's important that goes that goes flies under the radar that doesn't get enough attention 
is how wonderful most of the people in the writing community, what great people, the vast, vast, vast majority of them are. Um, I've had a lot of, you know, different stages in my career. And when I needed them the most, the people I first met at International Thriller Writers that Fran mentioned earlier, the sponsors Mm -hmm. of Thriller Fest, when I needed people the most who were basically strangers to me, um, I was starting to get to know them, but I didn't know them well. I needed, you know, I needed some blurbs for, for a new book I was doing that, w- that was going to bring me back. I had taken some time off from writing books to do screenplays. And, I, and everyone I asked said yes. And I've never yeah. forgotten that. And to the point you just raised, and this is why I wanted yeah. to say that, I now look at it as, as a responsibility, out of responsibility that I love. To do for others what was done for me, to pay it back, yeah. to pay it forward, yeah. to do mm-hmm. that. I have never turned down a request for a blurb because yeah. I know how important, and I know if they're coming to me, it's because they couldn't get who they really wanted. So they're kind <laughs> of coming to me because they can't get Lee, Child, and, 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 and James Rollins, and Steve Berry. But that's okay. I don't, you know, and... You know, so there are times my blurb doesn't even end up on the book. Maybe they ended up getting bigger people as time went on. But nothing, I enjoy nothing better than with the smaller publishing houses, the smaller indies, um, yeah. who contact me with an author they're trying to launch. And, and they make me feel important by saying how much my blurb will help that author. I hope okay. that it does. And I always yeah. go out of my way to find something positive to say, even if the book wasn't necessarily my cup of tea, wasn't necessarily something that mm-hmm. I like yeah. loved. Right. I can always find something nice to say. And I right. never that's fair. That's so fair. That's really a fair thing to do. I mean it's the I, way I think, life you know, should be. Well it would be nice. It would be really nice, yes. Uh, yeah, and I do think, you know, we're ending the show soon, but I honestly think that that is a way that I do think writers, you know, uh, any writer, I've I've had so many authors on, and Fran has too, and we've made friends with them, and they come on the shows again, and we have fun, and I think the writing community is a great community, because, like, if somebody gets a bestseller or somebody gets, you know, an offer, offer for a movie, I mean, you're happy, because we all know how hard this is, even to write a bad book is hard. You know, I mean it just is. It's it takes a lot of time and commitment. So if somebody writes a book, if like what Fran always says, she does not review it in a bad way. She just t- calls the publisher and doesn't do it. Because instead of ruining that person's career and, mm-hmm. you know, making them which we've all seen, people get very sensitive. You can't be, but you, but they do. If somebody writes a review that isn't a good one, I mean, and some people, I, the reason I've done this all these years is because I, I was an agent, and I learned just keep going. And my feeling is I have some people that I had as clients, they were fabulous writers. They just gave it up, and that's why I do the show. So I tell people, just keep going. You know, I'm a much different writer than I was 20 years ago, you know, and then we all change. But to give it up if you really like it because somebody said something bad to you, no, you have to just move on and just do the best work you can do. So I think that's what you're saying, John, is, I mean, you've been there. You remember what it was like, and Fran knows that. So I think that that's really important that people know we've all been in those situations, but we do care about each other's careers. It isn't about always about money. It can't be because then, then the world, that would be very bad. So we need to care about each other much more. 
so on that note, um, John, I have a, I actually on the show page. I have they can find you at John. Uh, landbooks.com which that's um, right and they can, and they yes. can email me they can do whatever they like <laughs> right and Fran <laughs> but, and, yeah, and, and yeah. they know right they they can Fran's on there too on your go ahead Fran talk about your where they can reach you if they have a review. they can reach they, they can reach me on MJ Network they can reach me on Facebook you can reach me on Amazon um, basically you could reach me uh, you can even Twitter, Twitter me and say hi and, John, I know exactly when you tweet because I follow you and they let me know. When Marsha does something, too, anybody goes on Twitter, you're in big trouble because I know. If you're on Instagram, <laughs> I get an Instagram email. John, John Land is on Instagram. Yeah, I do. I, it's scary. And when my nieces and nephews are there, I, I, I check out what they're doing so I can tell them whether I like it or not. It's, it's, it's bad. Yeah. But um, I've developed a thick skin when it comes to reviews. And my last book, Silent Voices, was really good. And one one reviewer said she didn't understand one of the stories. And I said, well, then maybe I should give you a lesson in reading, and then you'll understand the stories. Don't worry about that. <laughs> no, it was nasty because I wrote the, from the point of view of the dead person, but I was really writing it from my own point of view because it was my sixth grade teacher. She was mean. And I wrote it through her point of view, and she said she didn't like what I wrote. I said, "Well, it's the truth." She was mean. This is what she did. Isn't it how we? Isn't it and funny she, how we all remember things that happened, you know, in the past that you know, nobody you know, wants to remember Bessie. Trust me, no one yeah. wants to know her. I didn't want to know her either. <laughs> but yeah, John, any, la- John, any last words? Amazon. Any uh, last words? Amazon. Just, on Amazon. Yeah. Marcia, thank John, you for having John, me. When I, am I, I getting Blake oh. Kraken? Are you going to write another oh, yeah. one? No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Nothing new for Blake for at this point. <laughs> what am I getting Caitlin Strong again? Um, I'll let you know, but uh, I'm waiting on a few things, so I'm figuring some stuff out right now as far as what I should be doing in that direction. Gotta keep and and your audio books. Okay, and don't forget audio books. I love Audible, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, th- I know. thank Marsha. I've got to get off because I've got another call, but thank yes, you very much ahead, for having me. Thank you me. so much. Thank you. And it was great. Anytime you it want me great. back, thank just let so me much. know. I will. Thank you. Bye. I will. Thank you. Bye. Fran, are you still here? Thank you. Okay. I'm going to go. Fran. All right. I'm Bye. going to. So, and take care. And do you have a show soon? Yes, I do. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And I have a show on next Wednesday, uh, next Tuesday. So um, thank you all for listening. Bye.